Yeah. Styling, no. Dissing, but got pictures with me smiling, no. All the things you need, you still want problems, though. All the things I know, I still been silent, though. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy, Jalen. And if you would do me a favor, please subscribe, please share, please comment wherever you're listening to it. If you're not watching on YouTube, come to the YouTube channel. Please subscribe. It would definitely mean a lot. But where we'll start is this. What is the one knock? I'm not going to say knock. The one thing that we've been saying for a while now, or for a minute, is Utah is missing one piece, all right? You know, last year, we remember the duel that they had or that Utah had with Denver, and we know how good, I mean, we've seen how good Donovan Mitchell can be, especially seeing that nobody really saw that coming, coming out of uh, NC Louisville, Louisville, and... The question is now, is Utah for real? You know, you look at Utah, they have the best record, they're 22-5. They have one of the best defensive teams. And surprisingly, and this is kind of what we'll touch on, they have one of the best offensive teams. Now, the knock, like I said, the knock on Utah has always been there. It's a really solid defensive team. I mean, Rudy Gobert, he's, what, two-time defensive player of the year. Um, even though Donovan Mitchell doesn't really play defense, but they're a solid defensive team. But can their offense keep up with their defense? Saying as though they'll be able to slow down some teams, they'll be able to stop some teams, but can their offense catch up to their defense? Because if their offense caught up to their defense, they'd be an incredible team. And we're starting to see now what happens when their offense catches up with their defense. They're one of the best shooting teams. They're one of the best scoring teams. And, of course, their defense is still top-notch. I mean, again, you still have Rudy Gobert is incredible. Donovan Mitchell, again, still don't play no defense. But Jordan Clarkson has kind of been playing defense. Mike Conley has been great. Uh, Joe Ingles has been good shooting the ball. They're starting to become – they're forming in a, a – a, a, they're, they're becoming a complete team. Now – the question is, are they for real? Yes, I think they're for real. Because like I said, this is a great coach team. They have a star, which is Donovan Mitchell, and they have a co-star, which is uh, Rudy Gobert. Mike Conley's been good. We remember how good Mike Conley was in Memphis, and he's kind of taken what he – of course, he's not the same person that he was in Memphis, but – He's taken some of the best parts of himself in Memphis and brought it to Utah. I mean, of course, getting a little older, you know, injuries kind of hit. And he's he's a little slower, but he's still a very – he's a great player. He's a great, you know he's – a, he's, a, he's a smart player. While he's not going to give you 40, 50 a night, he will, he will make plays. He's like a low-end version of Chris Paul. As in, you know, even though Chris Paul can still score with the best of them, Chris Paul is more revered for how smart he is and his, his basketball IQ, and that's kind of where uh, Mike Conley is. Now, Utah's for real. Don't get me wrong. Utah's for real. They're a great team. But is Utah a contender? And that is where we'll kind of, we'll kind of go from there. I, I don't – I'll say this. 
while, yes, their offense has caught up with their defense and they're still an incredible team, like I said, they're the best team in the league right now as far as record, I don't know if they will be able to beat top-notch teams or top-end teams in the playoffs. Hell, even though they're struggling and, and they're kind of getting their act together, uh, Denver still they still have better players than Utah. Um, okay, and the Lakers still have better players than Utah. The Clippers have better players than Utah. And if you want to go, let's let's say they make it to the NBA Finals. I don't see them beating a Brooklyn. I don't see them beating a, a Milwaukee. I don't see them beating. It's just it's just tough because while they do have incredible players and they do and they you know they are the best overall team right now in the NBA. I just don't see them when you go. I just don't see them winning when you're going up against firepower such as LeBron James or Anthony Davis or KD's uh, Kyrie and and James Harden. When you're going up against uh, hell. <laughs> Going up against Jokic, you know what I mean? It's I just don't see it. Now again, this can all change. They can, they just. Uh, and honestly, what it really is is I need to see what they do in the playoffs. If they take this team that we're seeing now and and bring it to the playoffs, and of course, as we know, the playoffs is a whole nother level. The playoffs is a whole nother beast. If they improve in the playoffs and improve what we're seeing now, then all you know, all bets are off. They 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 are the best team in the league right now, and they can be anybody if they improve. If you know Donovan Mitchell continues to improve, if Rudy Gobert kind of develops an offensive game, like I can see it, but I just don't see it right now as currently constructed. Because hell, this is a regular season, and I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. But as we've seen, the regular season, hell, look at the uh, 73 and nine Warriors. The regular season don't really mean much if. You don't win a championship, and or or is is competitive in the playoffs. Uh, I and and I still need to see how they fare in a series against I don't know the Clippers or Denver again or the Lakers. That's 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 kind of what I'm waiting on. But I will give them credit; they have been a surprise to me, and that's where we'll go next. We will. I'm going to give my some of the biggest surprises of the season, probably five of the biggest surprises and, and five disappointments. You know, again, the season's probably, what, two months in, and it's still early, but we're starting to get a glimpse of what we're going to see for the years, for the, for the entire season. Now, again, anything can change. Basketball is a game of runs. A team can get hot. It is what it is. But we're starting to see things that are – are starting to become trends and let's start with you know I will I'll, I'll save Utah out of it but Utah has been a surprise for me you know again I I we all knew how good they can be defensively especially last year when they went up against Denver in the playoffs like we know how good they can be it's just the knock that's always been a knock on them is if they're if they're blank catches up with blank you know what I mean so like like for instance if we go back to John Stockton and Carl uh, Malone days if their defense caught up with their offense they would be an incredible team if you, and, and if you look now we've always talked about their defense but if their defense catches up with their offense they would be a you know incredible team well now we're starting to see 
that they're starting to catch up with each other. Oh, they have caught up with each other. And now they're looking incredible. Now, that is, you know, that's that's been a huge surprise for me. Another surprise has been Derrick Rose. Shouts out to Derrick Rose, man. I, you know, I it's it's tough sometimes watching Derrick Rose because you kind of know what he could have been if it wasn't for the injury. And, you know, Derrick Rose is still going to be one of my favorite players ever, seeing as though what he was, especially being the youngest MVP and the, the athleticism, Derrick Rose is just incredible. But he's been a surprise to me because he is a key part to the NBA right now. What I'm saying is, you know, he was playing, even though they aren't they, they aren't good, and we'll talk about them in a second, he was playing incredible in Detroit, but he, it's like he was playing so good that they had to let him go. They had to be like, you know, no. And he went to New York, and he's been, I think he averaged like maybe 19 or 20 points a game. Like, Derrick Rose has been great. His shot has been good. Derrick Rose is turning into a complete player. Now, of course, his defense still needs to improve a little bit, but he's kind of, I mean, when you're this late in your career, was he 13, 14 years? It's like you are what you are. So if you're not a defender, you're not going to be a defender. But, yeah, man, shouts out to Derrick Rose. He's definitely been a surprise for me. Another surprise, and we just talked about, is the Knicks. Now, adding Tom, you know, Tom Thibodeau, that it was kind of like lukewarm. Like, okay, how good are they going to be? Or are the because t- like we know Tom T- Tom Thibodeau is one of those coaches that demand everything out of you. I mean, we, he has legendary uh, practices, how hard they go, middle of the season having full full practices. Like we know, and we know that he'll play his stars to the death. Hell, that's one. That's one thing that I've always not liked, or I've always kind of looked them side eye about as. It doesn't matter if it's garbage time. Your star is the star is going to be in the game, and that's kind of what happened with Derrick Rose. You know, it was against Philly. They were up like thirteen with like a minute left or a minute thirty left. Like there was no reason for him to be out there, and boom, his Achilles happens. But yeah, th- the team has really, really developed that the mentality that Tom Thibodeau brings, and Julius Randle's been good. Uh, Emmanuel quickly has been great. Uh, Obi Toppin, even though we did deal with some injuries, he's been good. They shipped out uh, Dennis Smith Jr. You know, like I said, Derrick Rose come in and, and been a huge spark off the bench. And now I think the report came out as they're looking to shop John, uh, Kevin Knox. Like, New York has been a surprise. While they're, I, I don't think that they are good enough to, I don't know, I don't think they're good enough to make any noise in the playoffs. I do think they are good enough to make the playoffs, how they're playing now. Now, again, Need to see. I think they're like ten and something. Like I, I know we need to see how they move going forward. But yeah, man, New York has been really good. And I, I ha, even though the, again they they still have a losing record, but they have been competitive and they've been really good. And I think it is you know players are are getting a little older. Like I said, they were like one of the youngest teams in the league last year and the year before, but they're getting a little older, and and the mentality that Tom Thibodeau brings or brought to the t- team has definitely been incredible. So, shouts out to them. Another surprise, and we kind of talk about this a lot, is Philly. Philly, last week I said that Doc Rivers was my coach of the year for right now, and that's because I didn't see Philly being this good with the pieces that they have. I mean, we saw how how 
spotty Tobias Harris looked last year. Of course, we've always been talking about Ken Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons uh, come together. And, you know, when you lose important pieces like J.J. Redick and everything, as we saw last year, it tends to, 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 to come back. But, and this, you know, Doc Rivers has been great. Uh, <laughs> Daryl Morey has been good. And you kind of see his offensive mentality come in from Houston now to Philly. He's been great. And then, of course, Joel Embiid is, is a lot of people's MVP, the you know, MVP right now. Ben Simmons has been good. And I think Seth Curry, who is actually one of the biggest reasons, in my opinion, why they have gone to another level, it, it, he's he's on pace. I don't know if he'll do it, but he's on pace to be the first player ever to have a 50-50-90. Of course, we know Steph has, is in the 50-40-90 club. Malcolm Brogdon was in the 50-40-90 club. But with Seth doing it, Seth has unlocked a lot. Seth has become a better version of what J.J. Redick was for this team. When I say better, J.J. Redick wasn't bringing the ball up. He wasn't playing point like that. With Seth doing that and, and – Seth Curry able, you know, allowing the ball to come out of Ben Simmons' hands and, you know, kind of operating around him and allowing, you know, he's put, he's shot so well that you can't just stay off him and double-team Ben Simmons or double-team Joel Embiid. They have been – Philly has been incredible. And Philly right now is a team that could most definitely make it to the championship. And honestly – depending on how they play in the matchup, they can honestly win if they continue to play as they're playing now. So then, so Philly is definitely a surprise. And another, and my last surprise right now is Malcolm Brogdon. Now, <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon, when you look at his game, Malcolm Brogdon has such a veteran-type game, such a, such a smoothness to his game. He's not the most... He's not the most offensively gifted player. He's not the most defensively gifted player. He's not the fastest, most athletic, but he's such a smart player that does the little things. And he can mo he what 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 we're seeing along with him and DeMonte Yunus is or Sabonis uh is they're able to take command of a team. And when you look at Malcolm Brockton's game, it looks like he's been in the league for 10, 15 years. Malcolm Brogdon's on his fourth year in the league. And this is why I believe last week when I did when I, I did a segment, um, you know, who will be my all-star predictions, whatever. That's why I had him as an all-star this year. Malcolm Brogdon has been incredible. And the thing about it is I can't take, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, his he it's kind of hard to describe him. He, you know, he's a he's a he's a Swiss Army knife. While no, he's not the greatest, uh, you know, he's or he's not he's a utility tool. Let's say that he's not the greatest screwdriver. He's not the greatest knife. He's not the greatest corkscrew, but he can get it done. You know, he's not the greatest scorer. He's not the greatest uh, defender. He's not really the greatest floor general. But he is so good at m everything that having Malcolm Brogdon on your team makes your team instantly better. And he's become a marquee player in the league. When I say marquee, I mean he's become a player that has been vital for his team's success. Look at the net rating that that Indiana Indiana has when he's on the floor and not on the floor. And it's the discrepancy is huge. Like that's how good Malcolm Brogdon's been. 
So, like I said, some surprises have been Malcolm Brogdon. Philly has been really good. New York. I love how Derrick Rose has been playing. And Utah. Again, Utah, seeing is because their offense is now caught up with their defense. And now, like I said, they're the best team in the league. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where they go moving forward. So, let's talk about some disappointments. Man. Now, when I say... Look, I, I, I was trying to cape. There ain't really no caping. There, you know these these have been disappointments for the for the for the season so far. Uh, of course, like I said, every anything can change. Some of these teams aren't aren't don't have a bad schedule, but we'll talk about it. One disappointment has been Blake Griffin. It's so crazy how much fit plays into how good you are. Now, I'm not saying it's all Detroit's fault as to why Blake Griffin has been bad, but you bring Blake Griffin on to be your superstar. You bring Blake Griffin on to sell tickets. You bring Blake Griffin on to be your marquee player. When you look today, Blake Griffin is not even the best player on Detroit. That is Jeremy Grant. And... No one in their right mind would have ever said, if you look at the career trajectory that Blake Griffin was on, and you look at the career trajectory that Jeremy Grant was on, nobody would say, at this moment, Jeremy Grant is better than Blake Griffin. And you can't really say it's been injury either, because he's been fairly healthy this year. Blake Griffin just hasn't been good. Hell, I don't think he's, I think, the, there's a running stat going on right now. He hasn't dunked this year. Now, I know that you've been like, well, I mean, it's just dunk. But when we talk about Blake Griffin, who was known for his high athletic dunks, the fact that he hasn't dunked this year, I don't know if it's because he just doesn't like the environment because they're so bad. I don't know if it's just because he, he's lost it. I don't know what it is. But Blake Griffin has been horrible this year. And... When I say horrible, if you look at the numbers, they're not bad, but the fact that you can look at the NBA and look at the Eastern Conference and be like, oh, shoot, I forgot Blake Griffin was on that team. That, that to me means that you've, you've, you've done something wrong. The fact that you are a superstar and now you're a forgotten player, hell, you can look at the league and forget that Blake Griffin was in, is even in the league. I remember watching the game the other day. I think it was Washington against Detroit. And I was like, oh, shoot. Blake Griffin is on his – wait, Blake – oh, I totally forgot about Blake Griffin. That, to me, is a, is, is, is a failure right there. Uh, when I say failure, I'm not saying he's a failure, but I'm saying that has been a huge disappointment this year because I'm sure that – while Detroit isn't good, they expect it to be a lot better with Blake Griffin being there. Another disappointment is Boston. Now, no, Boston doesn't have a uh, a losing record. They're not horrible. But Boston is on a, a mean losing streak. Now, I know, you know, Jason Tatum got hit with some injuries and COVID and some of the team got hit. But Boston fairly has been healthy this year. And honestly, I'm kind of really looking at you, Kimball Walker. Kimball Walker has been, he's been bad. I'm not going to say God off. He's been bad this year. Uh, and 
I was one of those people saying, you know, okay, well, you lose Kyrie, but you get Kimba, and that's, you know, that can kind of be like a, an upgrade. It has not. Well, it's kind of been the same. You know, Kyrie didn't do much for, for Boston, and Kimba didn't do much, isn't doing much for Boston. Now, I will say Jalen Brown has been really good. Jason Tatum, when he's on the floor, has been good. But Boston as a whole, hell, they just lost by 20, I think 20, no, they were down at least 20, but they lost to uh, Washington by like, I say 15 points the other night. Now I know it's any given day and any team can win, but <laughs> Washington, they went like Washington hasn't been good either. And we'll talk about them in a second. Like it's, I don't know if it's Brad. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the scheme. Brad Stevens is because remember Brad Stevens has been one of the, one of the um, Brad Stevens is one of those coaches that, we 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 kind of speak highly about seeing as though he's able to get the best out of his young players. Well, you have a team full of young players, even though they are some. You know, Jason Tatum's a star. You know, uh, Jalen Brown's emerging as a star. Kimba is considered a star, but I just don't know what it is. They just look horrible. Now, I also do understand that Mal- uh, Marcus Smart being out is a huge, uh, a huge, huge blow to that team. Seeing as though how important he is defensively. And his leadership to the team and everything. But even still, even with Marcus Smart out, it's not like Jason Tatum's out. It's not like Jalen Brown's out. Like, this, they have looked God off of this last maybe week, week and a half. So, and it, it's, it's been, yeah, they've beaten some good teams, but they've also looked horrible a lot of the time. So, that's why I said Boston's has kind of been a disappointment. Another disappointment is t- teams have been tanking. Like, I'm looking at you, Minnesota. I'm looking at you, Orlando. I'm looking at you, New Orleans, and Detroit. It's like, think about it. There's a difference between being bad in the NFL and being bad in the NBA. And let's look at two teams, for example. Let's look at the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins have been bad for a minute. However, if you look up now, they have a great coach in Brian Forrest. They have a future star, a lot of people think, in Tua. They have an incredible defense, especially when we talk about uh, takeaways. They have they have promising pieces, and they were they were viable for the playoffs last year. They were in the playoff hunt until maybe the last week or two of the season. They, they have done tanking right. I'm not going to say tanking. Well... NFL, they don't like calling it tanking, even though we know it's tanking. They were bad, but they got increasingly better. Look at the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves have been bad for, they've been bad since Kevin Love left. And think about it. Look at the players that they have. You have Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, who did just come back from, you know, he's had a tough year. Uh, in 2020, but he did just come back. But you have Carl Anthony Towns, but you've been at Carl Anthony Towns. You have D'Angelo Russell. You have pieces, but you're still god awful. And it's, I, it's like at some point your tank, your your tanking has to pay off. And I understand that it pays off with players, but those players have to hit. And, or and the organization just has to be better. Hell, look at New or- look at Orlando. For the longest, they're like, all right, we got Aaron Gordon. Aaron Good, Aaron Gordon's improved. We have Terrence Ross. We remember Mo Bamba, but I, they just oh my goodness, they haven't been. They they're not good either. 
Hell, New Orleans. Even though New Orleans has some exciting players, you have Zion Williamson. You want you you won a trade where well you got a trade that gave you uh, Alonzo or Alonzo Alonzo <laughs> Ball. They give you Brandon Ingram. You have uh, JJ Redick, that, but they're still bad. Like it doesn't make sense to me. And of course Detroit. Outside of Blake Griffin and Jeremy Grant, they don't have really much anybody. They have a they have a rookie that I don't even. I think it's Hayes or something like Kalen Hayes or something. I don't know what the I don't know who he is, and it's bad when I look up the other day and see that um, <laughs> Miles Plumley or Mason Plumley or whatever had a triple double, first career triple double, and they still lost by like a thousand. Like it's just oh man, it's like tank. I get tanking. I understand if you have a chance to get a a franchise player. Or or a, or a player that can change your entire trajectory of your franchise. I get it, you know. But there's only one Steph. There's only one LeBron. There's only one KD. There's only one um, AD. There's only one player like that, like those players. So it's like at some point you have to understand and you have to realize. All right, look, it might be time for us to. It's like they can't even go all in because it's like it's 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 for some for for at some point in time, the word rebuild has to has to die. The, the The Miami Dolphins are still in a rebuild, but they're almost out of it. Like the Kansas City Chiefs were kind of in a rebuild until you know they let Alex Smith go and started uh, what's his name Patrick Mahomes. Like at some point, the word rebuild has and has to leave your organization and for organizations like Minnesota, New Orleans, um, Detroit, it's just, it's just, at some point you have to get tired of losing. That's just, that's just me. You know what I'm saying? Um, another disappointment has been Washington. I understand they got decimated with COVID. I understand that, you know, you have new pieces, this, that, and third, some pieces, you know, like Thomas Bryant went out. I get it. But when you have Russell Westbrook, who, by the way, you traded to get him and you trade John Wall, who's been really good for Houston this year, but you trade to get Russell Westbrook and you have Bradley Bill, who's coming off a career year last year, and this year he's having yet another career year. And you're still, the, what, the second or well, one of the worst teams in the league. That I mean, at some point, and, and you have talent. Like I said, uh, Russ, Beal, you have Rui Hachimura, who's been good. Um, Thomas Bertans, like, you have talent. But it's just, I, I'm not really one to blame the coach. I think I talked about this last week or, or a couple of weeks ago. I'm not really one to blame the coach, but it doesn't really seem like I don't know if the scheme isn't there. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like they're the team is really motivated outside of Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook, I mean, <laughs> he has those days where he's incredible, and he has those days where he's just he's just horrible. So Washington, to because I I remember going to the season, I felt Washington could be a top. I'll say. I'll say top five team in the East, you know, with Bradley Bill uh, adding to what he did last year, bringing Russ on a healthy Russ and a motivated Russ from what we heard. 
uh, and and a lot of the pieces that they made and acquired over the over the off season, I thought that they'd be one of the best West Eastern Conference teams, and they have not. So, hey. And lastly, the last disappointment has been the Mavs. I mean, they just lost the other night against Portland. It's like I never thought I would hear the Mavs don't have enough around. Uh, don't have enough around. Uh, Doncic like I didn't think you have a team that has uh Porzingis you the team does have uh Tim Hardaway Jr. it does have um it has of course Rick Carlisle as the coach I just didn't think that they would be this bad especially defensively like they are they're not good defensively like at all and and they might be worse to no, no, because Washington, God, when they when they turn off turn it off defensively, it's it's off. So I don't know. It's just you know Blake Griffin's been bad. Boston, they need to kind of pick it up. At, at some point, the rebuilding teams need to get rebuilding out of their bio, and I don't know teams like Minnesota and or, or Orlando. They have no, you know, I don't know when that's going to happen. Washington has been horrible, even though they have Bradley Bill, who is one of the top shooting guards in the league, and Russell Westbrook. And then, of course, the Mavs. So those have been some of my surprising teams. Those are surprising surprises, I say, of the season. And those have been some of my disappointments. Let's, Let's move forward. So a report came out yesterday saying that Cleveland plans on sitting Andre Drummond and that they they want to bring they they want to give more minutes and kind of nurture Josh or just Jarrett Allen. And so so that kind of you know what more than likely he's getting traded. In fact, it's a little more than more than likely, but Andre Drummond's getting traded. And where are a couple places? I'm just give three places where I think he'll be really good at. One of course, the biggest one would be Brooklyn. I mean, he will definitely help cuz <laughs> I was one of the people to think, well, you know, you bring on, you, you pretty much decimate your bench and your two best defenders, which was Jared Allen and Terry Prince, you send them away for James Harden. I knew they were going to struggle defensively, but I, I was one of the people to say, hey, you know, you still have a really good rim protector and DeAndre Jordan. Boy, oh boy, was I wrong. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan is is not that anymore. All he is is, is lobs, catch lobs. That's, that's it. And while Andre Drummond isn't the most defensive player in the league, I do think that bringing on Andre Drummond will definitely help, especially when we talk about rim protecting. It will definitely help Brooklyn. Now, I think Andre Drummond is one of the – best rebounders in the league and he's 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 not the greatest rim protector but he's pretty good at it a lot better than deandre jordan so i think that any bringing anybody on especially at that position would help so i think you know of course brooklyn i got washington losing thomas bryant uh definitely hurt them now that'd be great that's crazy i'm saying that losing thomas bryant really hurt And, and thomas and don't get me wrong Shouts out to Thomas Bryant. He's been really good. But Andre Drummond alongside Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook definitely will help. And not to mention, Andre Drummond will give Alex Lenz on the team. Okay. Uh, 
but they'll give Washington some height. And because Alex Lynn and Bartons is like the tallest players, but they, I mean, <laughs> they're not defensively, they're not doing much. So, in Washington's one of the one of Washington's biggest uh, deficiencies is defense. So, I think that Andre Drummond would be great for Washington. And lastly, Golden State. I know you have James Wiseman, but James Wiseman is out with uh, a sprained wrist. Outside of James Wiseman, you don't really have much on the on the on the, at the center position. And while he isn't offense, he isn't good, you know, he's not a good shooter and he can't really take them outside of the paint. Golden State can still operate with a traditional big. You know, you play you play him off some incredible pick and rolls with Steph Curry. Um I'm sure Draymond Green can get him open somehow. Like or not get him open, but you know, they they can they can work together pretty good. I think that and I think he'll be good alongside uh, James Wiseman, not saying on the same on the floor at the same time, but I do think that he can be good at nurturing James Wiseman to be better at a you know at a paint score. Now we now I'm not saying he should play more than James or play over James Wiseman, but I think that Andre Drummond would be good in Golden State. So the three best places I have for him right now was Brooklyn, Washington, and Golden State. I, that's another team, man. Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland kind of got off to a fast start. You know, Darius Garland was good. Colin Sexton was really good and, and had his moments, but they've kind of come back to reality. And I mean, you have Jared Allen on the, on the team. Uh, Kevin Love should be coming back soon, which I don't, I still don't see why he hasn't been traded, but Kevin Love should be coming back soon. That's, I don't know the direction that Cleveland's going in. I really don't. I, I don't. Because not only not only that, like, Colin Sexton's not taking you over the top. Darius Garland's not taking you over the top. Kevin Love, at this point in his career, is not taking you over the top. Jared Allen's not taking you over the top. Like, And, of course, you still have Andre Drummond. You're about to sit him and more than likely trade him. So, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what's going on with Cleveland. But it is what it is. Moving forward, <laughs> we talked about last week college basketball is down. Uh, and let me say this, men's college basketball is down. Women's college basketball is kind of doing its thing. Uh, Shouts out to UConn. They they look incredible. South Carolina, South Carolina still looks incredible. You know, the usuals when we talk about women's college basketball are looking really good. Uh, of course, the inconsistency that is college basketball right now as terms of scheduling and who you're going to play, who you're not going to play, which game's going to get canceled, which game is not, I understand. But moving back to the men's side, the ones, the the seating kind of, you know, the mock seating, whatever, came out last week. And the first, the, the top four or the, the yeah, top four regional number one seeds, they're not really – you know, we kind of knew who it would be, which was Gonzaga, who was the overall number number one, Baylor, Michigan, and Ohio State. While college basketball has been inconsistent, those four have been the most consistent, even though Gonzaga, to me, Gonzaga and Baylor in a class of their own, and then it's everyone else. So I was going to I was gonna talk about what dark horses could upset them. Now, there are some teams that could upset them. Now, usually, when we talk about dark horses, 
we'll talk about teams that might not be in the top, I don't know, 10. Talk about teams that probably close to the 20 or 15 to 20 range. Maybe a team to last in or, you know, those are usually dark horses. However, this year, I don't see anybody outside the top 10. Like, I think the March Madness will be hellish. Like, I don't see any upsets except for maybe like four beating five or uh, eight beating 10 or something like that. I, I, or 10 beating eight. I don't see many upsets as far as like huge upsets. I don't really see that. And I don't really see. And when I say upsets, I mean the top four. I don't see really anybody beating the top four. However, when I do say dark horses, I think Texas Tech, you know, Matt McClung and, or McClung and those, I, I think they can make some noise. I don't think they can be Gonzaga. I definitely don't think they can be Baylor. I think they can give Michigan and Ohio State a run, but I don't know. I think Texas, uh, Texas is incredible when it comes to shooting the ball. Now, Texas is live by the three, die by the three. Oh, no, let me say this. Live by their offense, die by their offense. If their offense is on fire, they're, they're damn near unstoppable. If their offense is not, however, they are horrible. <laughs> so, I, or I'm not going to say horrible, but they're definitely beatable. Uh, and they're, 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 like I said, their defense kind of thrives on how good their offense is. And Virginia. Virginia is a confident team, and Virginia has one of the best defensive teams or is one of the best defensive teams in all of college. Uh, now, of course, like like everyone else in the in college basketball, they have been a little turbulent as far as wins and losses, just like what Villanova has kind of been turbulent as well. But I don't really see a dark horse this year uh, as far as like a – I don't see a Loyola – whatever, beating beating a big team. Or I don't see a, a, hell, I don't see a blue blood really making, except for maybe Michigan, like making a making noise. So, yeah, man, it's, it's just been a tough year for college basketball. It really has. And, you know, it, it shows. It shows. But let's move forward. Is there anything I want to talk about basketball? I don't really think so. Let's move forward. So the Texans released J.J. Watt. Um... And it wasn't like a JJ. It was JJ Watt's been saying for a minute now he wants to. Well, this year been saying that he wants to leave. Uh, we we know the turmoil that's going on with Houston, all the Houston sports, the Astros, the Rockets, and the Texans. We know the turmoil that's going on, and JJ Watt is just the latest of stars leaving or, or getting out of Houston. Now, first let's talk about who is J.J. Watt right now. J.J. Watt was on a trajectory to be one of the best defensive players we've ever seen. Like, he was that good. J.J. Watt, there was kind of like how Aaron Donald is right now. He was one of those players that we, we didn't have to question who was the best defensive player in the league because it was J.J. Watt. It was always going to be J.J. Watt. That's just how good he was. The way that he played, the aggressiveness, the determination to be great, J.J. Watt's been that good, like, or he was that good. J- Again, there was a huge argument as how good is J.J. Watt, and he was on a trajectory to be in that Lawrence Taylor class uh, of some of the greatest that we've ever seen play the uh, defense. 
However, injuries hit that man hard, man. From leg injuries to bicep injuries to, like, injuries have hit J.J. Watt hard. And that kind of brings me back to where, or brings me to here. Now, J.J. Watt is still one of the best, let me say, J.J. Watt is still a really good defensive player. And when healthy, J.J. Watt is still a higher energy player and can make can definitely help a team win. Now, J.J. Watt, again, is not the player that he used to be. And those his prime is definitely behind him. And injuries definitely robbed him of a couple prime years. But the Texans, people ask, people are asking why the Texans release him but keep Deshaun Watson. Because they know Deshaun Watson is top five in his position. J.J. Watt is not. Deshaun Watson is a is a still a franchise changing player. He's still he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Hell, the Texans were horrible last year, and he, and Deshaun Watson had one of his best or one of the best statistical years ever last year. Like that's that's just how, how good Deshaun Watson is. It's easy to let go of J.J. Watt because the, the the best years of J.J. Watt is definitely behind him. Now, J.J. Watt is is kind of more of a fan favorite right now as far as, like, you know, he we know the philanthropy and all the great stuff he did in Houston. He's, he's one of Houston's best athletes as far as ever in all of Houston. Like, you know... When we look at Houston sports, you you look at Akeem Olajuwon, you look at James Harden, honestly, you look at T Mac, and now you're gonna you know when you look at foot talk about football, you got JJ Watt, Andre Johnson, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Deshaun Watson. Now, like those are some pillars when we talk about Houston and talk about how great they've been. Uh, Terry Porter's on, up there now. JJ Watt is out. That's that they, they, people aren't mad because it's like. Oh man, you you left a good player. You know you you let a good player leave. No, you, they're mad because he's a fan favorite. But with that being said, where does JJ Watt go? I just I, I'll give three teams again, <laughs> like I did Andre Drummond. I'll give three teams. Green Bay. We know Green Bay needs consistency when it comes to stopping the run and and getting to the quarterback. And at his best, and even some some time last year. J.J. Watt was still really good at that. And I think that it'll just add, you know, to Green Bay needs a lot of pieces as far as offensively, but they do also need some defensive pieces, and that's why I think J.J. Watt will definitely help. Another person would be Kansas City. I know the rich getting richer, it is what it is, but as we saw in the Super Bowl, Kansas City needs another defensive interior lineman because... They and, and I understand JJ Watt's not that, and you know, I, I know the position JJ Watt plays for the people that's coming at me for my, <laughs> for the people that for, hold on for the people that's coming at me and and really killing me for my uh, Andre no Aaron Darnold take. I, look, I messed up. I know he's a defensive end. I know he's not a linebacker. I know I, I messed up. My fault, guys. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but with JJ Watt, I think. Being in a system with that Kansas City has, especially defensively, I think that he'll thrive. Not to mention one reason why they let 
J.J. Watt goes because they know he deserves a place to win. Like, he deserves a chance to win. And he knows, especially next year. And I think Texans know, too, especially next year. They don't really have a – you're wasting his years because you don't have no type of avenue to win outside Deshaun Watson. And that's even turbulent if he's going to be there. So, Kansas City and, of course, Pittsburgh. That's the team we've been hearing about joining his brother, T.J. Watt. Uh, his other brother who plays on the offensive side of the ball too. But, um, yeah, we know that losing Bud Dupree to to injury and probably going to have to – gonna he might get cut due to salary reasons. Um, I th- You know, bringing on a J.J. Watt will definitely help improve the defense and help improve playing alongside his brother. So – you know, I I am interested to see where JJ Watt lands, and you know there are there are some teams. He's still a serviceable player, and he's still a good player at his best. It's just I think it's I think it's time for him to get into the right system that can work for him. Because he, you know, there were years when again he was on trajectory to be one of the greatest defensive players ever, except for in, until injury hit. So, you know, I'm excited to see where JJ Watt goes. Moving forward, another big story last year was what's going on in Jacksonville as far as their coaching staff. So, um, Chris Doyle, for people that don't know who Chris Doyle is, Chris Doyle was an assistant coach that coached at Iowa, I believe. And I think he might have been a strength and conditioning coach, one of them. But he was one of the co- he was on the coaching staff for Iowa and multiple players. And I mean <laughs> it ain't just two or three like multiple players that are African American came out and said that Chris Doyle was uh racist. His practices were were intense and he was insensitive to racial issues and insensitive to racial players especially African-American players, and he he was pretty much a racist. This is what we heard. And because of those allegations, that's the reason why he was fired from Iowa. Now, I'm not sure why. You know, I do know why. <laughs> Chris Doyle has a relationship with Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, for people that don't know, is a legendary coach in college, you know, and everywhere he's gone from Florida to Ohio State has won great. And now he is the head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Chris, Do- let me see this. Urban Myers hired Chris Doyle, who, by the way, like I said, has a reputation of being a racist, uh, hired him to the coaching staff. Now, this set everyone, <laughs> like, players were confused. Because this, this, this information isn't, like, <laughs> this information isn't, isn't, this information is widely available. Like, peop, you can Google Chris Doyle, and that's the first thing that pops up is his allegations. And, and honestly, he didn't even, like, <laughs> These are, he didn't even like come out and say no. These allegations are true. Like they they you. It's kind of tough getting fired from a college. I'll, I'll tell you that. Like it, and he did. So, 
But Urban Myers hires him. And of course, this sets the internet ablaze. Again, p- players from Jacksonville Jaguars were confused. Players from outside the league were confused. Everyone was confused. And this led to Chris Doyle accepting the job, then resigning from the job like the same week. Actually, this happened like a couple days. But why am I talking about it? Uh, Because this just shows how far the league is in terms of equality. You have people like Todd Boyle, Todd Bowles, uh, Eric Bieniemy, that have out Brian Leftwich have outstanding resumes. Hell, honestly, even though he didn't win, he didn't win uh, any playoffs, playoff games. You can even throw Marvin Lewis in there. You have African American quarterbacks. I mean, African American coaches without standing resumes oh I'm sorry I said coaches African-American coordinators with outstanding resumes yet and still they don't get hired or a report comes out and says they interviewed badly which I will say this again I don't understand how you can interview badly when all you're supposed to be doing is going in and telling them what like what you plan to run and how you plan to connect with your co you know your players or whatever. I don't see how you can and I don't see how that can be interviewed badly. But I digress. But player you know coordinators with outstanding resumes that are African American don't get jobs or don't get head coaching or get get jobs in the NFL. Yet and still, Chris Doyle, who is known to be racist, has, in fact, that's his reputation to be racist, can gets another job or gets a job in the NFL over great, great candidates that are African-American. It just shows, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the NFL because the NFL, like I said, the NFL... This is the this is the culture that you've brought the the culture of the players can be black yeah we'll give a black player yeah I mean you are indebted to the 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 owners control the league and if I and 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 I get it though like I understand the Rooney Rule and I which is which is a joke but I understand if I'm a billionaire. And I run a team. I'll be damned if I let the league tell me what to do with my team and my money. Which is why the Rooney rule is so broken. Because there's no way you can tell me that an, an owner of a team who I have to hire. Which is why the Rooney rule is so broken. But it's also why the league will always be held back. And the league will always be, you know... It'll look like one shade when we talk about coaching. Cause if I'm an owner, why? If I'm a white owner, why do I have any desire to hire an African American if I can just hire someone that I'm cool with? And more than likely, the person I'm cool with is white. It's just, it's just bad. And then, like I said, 
for Urban Meyer, I'm not calling Urban Meyer racist or anything, but for Urban Meyer to be this tone deaf, especially in a time like this, and hire somebody like Chris Doyle, it's just it just shows you really just how far we are as a as a society, especially in the NFL, seeing as though uh, a coach like Chris Doyle can get a head coach, I mean, can get a, a, a coaching, can get on a coaching staff, yet and still African-Americans have to, African-Americans with better resumes than head coaches have to claw and fight to get any recognition. It's, it's crazy. And lastly, moving forward, Trevor Lawrence's uh, pro day was last week, and he looked incredible, like like usual. <laughs> he looked incredible. He, you know, the ball was coming out fast, quick, and in a hurry. Uh, he looked accurate. I mean, we know who Trevor Lawrence is. He's been number one since he's he's been projected a number one pick since he came or he got into college. And I want to end on this. Usually, and, and yeah, usually you're only as you're you're as good as the environment that you're put in. There are some players that I feel would have fl- hell. Case in point: Look at Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was was god awful in Miami. But now we see how good he is in Tennessee. There are some players that you're really only as good as where you're drafted or what organization you're in. Hell, that's what we talk about. Jared Goff is going to fall off a map because Jared Goff wasn't the best in the at the you know in L.A. with Sean McVay a good offensive line and, and really good place around him. So what do you think is going to happen when you go to Detroit that has nothing? So usually it's, you're, you're, you're really, they're talented players, but you're really only as good as the coaching staff that's around you, especially NBA. I mean, NFL, you're only as good as the coaching staff around you and the organization that you're in. Then there are some players that you look and it's like, you know, they're, they'd probably be good wherever they went. Andrew Luck was one of those people. Andrew Luck did have, I don't know if you remember <laughs> the Colts before Andrew Luck. And, and that period a little after, uh, a little, you know, his rookie season and a little after Peyton Manning. But they weren't that good. I don't know if you remember um, the Patriots before and now after Tom Brady. What I'm saying is there's some players that it doesn't matter where they go, they will be good. You see that a lot more with the NBA than anywhere else. LeBron James could have got drafted anywhere. Hell, Cleveland wasn't good. Hell, we see who Cleveland is without him. Dwight Howard was a godsend for uh, Orlando. Uh, What's his name? Steph Curry was a godsend for you know, um, Golden State, because he would have been good anywhere. Kevin Durant would have been good anywhere. He just landed the second overall pick for the Supersonics, now Oklahoma City. Trevor Lawrence is starting to look like one of those players that it doesn't matter where you're drafted, 
he will be good. He just has those intangibles. I could be wrong, and a lot of the scouts could be wrong, too, because a lot of people are saying this as well, but Trevor Lawrence just has, you know, he has the pocket awareness. He has the cannon of an arm. He has incredible accuracy. He has the IQ, especially being, you know, this young. Like, Trevor Lawrence, I'm not saying – it's crazy when you look at some analysts are right. I'm not saying they're always right, but you know, there's, there's usually players like for instance, I look at Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers was coming out. There was a, there was a lot of analysts that said, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers can be incredible. He can be one of the, one of the best, but then there are also analysts that say, well, hold on now, Aaron. Rod- I mean, you still have so and so, you know, Aaron Rodgers is you, Alex Smith, you know, you, like there's always there's there's usually always opposing analysts or opposing uh, commentators or something. I haven't heard one person oppose Trevor Lawrence, and this is that's kind of how I haven't heard one person. I didn't hear one person oppose for Al, for Andrew Luck, and honestly, Andrew Luck can still be playing. It's just he retired early because. They couldn't help him. So, I don't know how good uh, Trevor Lawrence can be. But Trevor Lawrence is starting to look like one of those players. Now, again, I understand understand he hasn't even stepped foot in the league yet. I understand, you know, what happened, especially last year. I understand what happened against Ohio State. This and the third. But Trevor Lawrence looks like one of those players that has all the intangibles to be great. And I'm just excited to see what happens. You know, I'm excited to see what he's going to do in a, I don't know, Jets jersey or if somebody makes a trade, whatever jersey he goes to. So, or a Jaguars jersey or, or something like that. But there you have it. I appreciate you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys for watching. Appreciate you guys for being here. It definitely means a lot. Uh, again, I hope that you please subscribe to the channel and, you know, like, comment, whatever. Even if you disagree, comment, let me know. We'll talk about it. I ain't got no problem conversing with you guys. Uh, if you guys want some want some unpopular podcast merch, the link is in the description below. I have a lot of brand or a lot of products, so go get that. And yeah, man, I appreciate you guys. I really do. And until next time, much love. You've been channeling energy, sending it to me. Just better than me